This is Janelle Wood, and you are listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. Welcome, friend. The Finding Something Real podcast is designed especially for someone who's not sure about relationship with Jesus Christ. As someone who's been through my own ups and downs with faith, my desire is to create an invitational place for people to process and address questions about God and Christianity. So if you're not sure what you believe about God, I get that. And if you're skeptical, hey, you've come to the right place. But I invite people to go on a journey with me because I believe Jesus is real and my desire is to share him with you. And today we're diving deeper into season six. We'll go ahead and dive into today's talk in just a moment. But first, a few words regarding stuff that helps keep us on the air. Hi, friend. This podcast is sponsored in part by Faithful Counseling. Life is full of ups and downs, unexpected twists and turns, and sometimes we struggle with all that can come our way. Faithful Counseling will assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist who is also a practicing Christian. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. And as someone with a master's degree in counseling psychology and whom at various times in the past 20 or so years has benefited from seeing a professional therapist, I know the value that professional counseling can bring because we all need someone to talk with and Faithful Counseling can help. Please visit faithfulcounseling.com slash finding something real to sign up for professional faith-based counseling. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. There's also a special offer for finding something real listeners to get 10% off your first month at faithfulcounseling.com slash finding something real. Thanks again to Faithful Counseling for being a sponsor of this episode. Well, welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This is your host, Janelle Wood, and you are listening in for season six, where we've been starting off each month with a different young woman sharing her faith story and allowing her the space to ask some tough questions about God and Christianity. This month, though, I am personally taking some time off to be with my family and do some behind the scenes kind of stuff. So while I'm away, we are featuring special bonus conversations with or for some young women who've asked some great faith questions. And today's episode is a little different in that the topic didn't necessarily come up on a recent podcast episode or conversation. Instead, it's a topic that comes up sometimes. In fact, it's often talked around. So today I want to talk about how to find focus in such a noisy, distracting world. And specifically for those who want to center their lives on Jesus, what does that even look like in today's crazy world with this particular generation? To talk about this today is a special guest. She is the author of I Choose Brave and contributes to Club 31 Women, the Huffington Post, the Gospel Coalition, and Mothers of Daughters. She is passionate about speaking truth and encouraging women to keep their eyes fixed on Jesus. She and her husband live with their four children in Washington State. Welcome speaker and author Katie Westenberg. Welcome, Katie. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, well, Katie, I'm a passionate speaker and writer. My husband and I have four children and we live in Washington State. And I'm pretty sure you live closer to my neck of the woods and those West Siders over there on the dark side close to Seattle. <laughs> so how have we not met before today? 
I don't know that, but it's funny that you say that because I usually introduce myself as being from the non-Seattle part of Washington Yeah, <laughs> because a lot of people don't know that exists. So you get that. I get it. And this is the sunny side. This is the part that people don't tell you about. It's beautiful over here, although a little dry, yes. a little dry it in the winter dry. and a yeah. little dry. Yeah. Did you grow up in Washington State? I did. I was born like 30 miles from where I live today. So I've traveled really far and wide. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And then I think I saw you went to Wazoo. Is that right? Did you go to Wazoo? Yes, I graduated from Washington okay. State University. Yeah. Go kooks. Okay. <laughs> so Katie, would you tell the listener about your ministry and where they can find out more about you before we get started yeah. here? Yeah. So my main ministry is in the home because I'm raising four kids just like you are. So that takes up a big portion of my time. I homeschool those kids, but Somehow in the growing of those kids, God has given me a little capacity to write and, and um, talents to be used. So I kind of started small doing that really small for my mom and who other five readers that would read, but God just continued to open doors. And so I've just kind of been following through that. And so the last couple of years, I've had opportunity to write a couple of books and I write not quite so regularly at katiewestenberg.com, but I share a bit on social and most of my ministry is local, like in my church. And I've got to do some retreats around the Northwest and things like that. But, um, but yeah, I have capacity to write a little bit too. So I'm thankful for that. Well, capacity to write a little bit. You've written how many books now at this point? This is my second that just came I was going to say that's yeah. more than just a little capacity. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe That's I'm so understating great. God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He's done some amazing things with that little offering. Yes. Um, before you tell us about your latest book, and we dive into today's topic a bit more, mm -hmm. I'd love for you to share about your own faith journey and how did you become a passionate follower of Jesus Christ? Mm -hmm. So my answer a long time ago would be that I was born one. I was, um, my dad was a pastor. So I was raised in the church and have been there really as long as I can remember. But um, I think I was playing the pastor kid card for a long time. You know, I had a get out of jail free card in my mind or something. So it wasn't really until I was out of high school, maybe in my early 20s, that I realized like I'm not living under my parents' protection as much as maybe I think I am in my mind. And I really had to turn and own that decision for myself. And, and that really cracked open, like, what does it look like to live for Christ? What does it look like? like to be a woman of the Lord. Cause I had met some fantastic women who kind of just like spoke and breathed scripture. And I started to ask the questions of how, how do you even get there? Like, I don't even know half of what those women know. And, um, the short answer to that is just a lot of daily faithfulness, but that's really when I committed to my life to, I want to know him, not just know about him or nor the right words to say the right answers to give, but I really want to know Christ for myself. So that really happened in my early twenties. Yeah. And I know, like we just mentioned, you went to Washington State University, well known in the Pacific Northwest as the party school of Washington State. Mm -hmm. um, what did your faith look like in college? What was Yeah. It? Yeah. So I actually started out at Central Washington University and I all the way through. A little more milder dating. for you for A little those bit. of you not familiar. <laughs> That, that's the interpretation of that. Yes. And, um, and I was dating my high school sweetheart the whole way through, um, not necessarily thinking that this would land in marriage and stuff like that. So I, I kind of, I'm a quasi cougar because I finished at WSU via online degrees, which was a, a bigger deal 20 years ago, kind of a more unique thing. Um, so, but either way, that college experience was part of that early 20s growing experience. Am I going to choose this for myself or am I not? So they were testing years for sure. And I wouldn't say that I did it all perfectly, uh, but God was faithful. That's the answer. Mm. 
Well, I'm going to dig a little deeper into that. Why did you Why did you choose Jesus? Um, what was it about your parents' faith or what, when you were growing up in the church, that you found compelling that you wanted to stay there instead of seeking meaning or purpose elsewhere? Yeah, I, I love that question because it's interesting to me that I grew up in the church. And when you grow up in the church, you know the church for what it is and and often what it's not, right? You know that it's a group of imperfect people. And so there's all kinds of stories. You see the behind the scenes of some of that. But I am so thankful that I have always loved the church. I love the church. I love the people there. And I think once you get beyond that understanding that it is supposed to be something perfect, that it really is imperfect people that are pursuing a perfect God, um, that maybe that's why I didn't grow up with some of that callousness about the church at all, because I really have always loved the church. And some of that is just God's faithfulness, praying grandparents. I have family that um, for a long time has just chosen to follow Christ. So I think it's probably their faithfulness as well. Um, But when I started to step out into the world more and see what that looks like, the church was always compelling to me. These are people that are still following Christ and he's good to them. And when I see this other life out there, it wasn't, it wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't what I wanted for my future or my family or any of that. Mm. Did you ever struggle with questions about your faith or what did it come easier to you? Do you think because you saw it as beautiful? I think I I struggled with questions, but maybe not as much as some. I got hung up for a while on theological issues, denominational lines, like why do we believe this and not this? And so I argued some of those things with my parents, but not as much as just straight salvation. Like I I always believed in Jesus, but but I got caught up in the muddy waters a little bit about where all these things play out. Mm -hmm. Um, Age has softened a lot of those edges for me. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, when did you become passionate about the topic of distractions? Really, probably in the last three or four years. I think some of that has been having older kids, because not only am I seeing this played out in my own life, but I have next week, my third child becomes a teenager. So I have this house full of teens and I want to figure these things out so I can teach them well. And it's not something as much, well, at least when we talk about the social media age, I, I do think that we've always struggled with distractions to some degree, um, but I see it played out in different ways that I can't compare as a parent, like I can't say, well, when I was a kid, my parents did this with phones because it's a whole new world. It's a whole new atmosphere. So just wanting to learn that for myself so I can pass that on well has really taken that to a a new level of focus for me. Yeah. How old are your kids? So my oldest is 18 and about to graduate in a couple of weeks. And then I have a 14 year old that'll soon be 15 and then one about to turn 13 and then one about to turn 11. We're full of summer birthdays over here. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and is your 18 year old gonna go to college? He is actually he's he was able to finish his associate's degree in high school. But um, he is going on to become a pilot. That's the plan. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, there are, I mean, a ton of distractions. I remember, I, I'm not sure if we're the same age, but I'm guessing maybe similar. Uh, my oldest is uh Man, he just turned 14, um, which is crazy. It's like, mm-hmm. how did this happen? Mm-hmm. Um, but I graduated. I'm going to date myself. I graduated in 99 from high school. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's. I remember being distracted by a lot of noise back then, you know, mm-hmm. whether it came in the form of, you know, Seventeen Magazine or Cosmopolitan mm-hmm. or just my friend group or school mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, TV. And 
that was a much friendlier culture to Christianity back then than it is yes. nowadays. And we didn't have the wild, wild west of TikTok and, uh, you know, theological videos that can come in and, and cause all this doubt in two minutes flat, you know, so there's a there is a lot of distraction. Some of it might seem, um, you know, just fun. And some of it might be a little bit more uh, insidious, um, insidious, insidious. Um, but um, I. I talk about there being so much noise in the world right now, and I'd love for you to share your perspective. Why do you think there are so many distractions for this generation and so much noise? Do you feel like there's a spiritual component to all of that? It's absolutely a spiritual component to it. I I think sometimes we want to fall down one side or the other, like, yes, there are, or there are there aren't, or, you know, so I want to look back in history and think, what was it like for the people in the Bible? Did the Israelites ever get distracted? Did they ever have to hang out in the wilderness because they kind of lost sight of what's important or even just back like 30, 40, 50 years ago, was it possible to pull out a newspaper and check out of the world around you too? Like probably so, you know, I could see putting that newspaper up and just wanting to not pay attention to the world in front of you. And and is some of that healthy? Like, is it okay to take a break and check out for a minute, but where does this all lead us? And, And so I think you have to say, yes, there have always been distractions. It's not necessarily a new problem. We have hearts that are prone to wander that we, you know, feel that, that frustration or, void or just discontentedness, restlessness. And we want to reach what else can I reach for? What else? You know, I don't really want to do this work in front of me. I don't want to do the hard thing. So I'd rather, you know, um, turn my gaze for a moment, but they're definitely closer. And the world is, is definitely um, louder than it ever has been before because the things we're seeing and, and just the notifications everywhere, right? all the moving parts of our screen and the watches that vibrate and notify us like all of this that hasn't been nearly as close as it is now. So that's when it becomes concerning. And just, just the opinions of all of it, like you said, like in two minutes, I can be down a road that it would take me, I guess I'd have to open up a newspaper and read for a while to get there in the past. Right. But now in, in 30 seconds, my mind and my heart can be following something or be concerned about something or be struggling with something that I never would have had to in the past. So it's yeah. definitely closer. Yeah, I remember just, uh, I don't, I think it was during the pandemic, you know, starting um, just installing the TikTok app on my phone, uh, Mm because I was curious, right? (laughs) And immediately, my feed was flooded with pornographic type uh, videos, you know, and I didn't, I mean, I didn't ask for any of that. And I thought, how, how, this is crazy what young people are dealing with right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and thankfully, you know, I was able to curate some things so I didn't have to see those images anymore, but it was right there. It was right, right there instantly. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that, what you're saying about, you know, it, it doesn't, you know, it used to be you'd look at a headline, you could choose whether you could pick that. Now, all mm-hmm. I'm doing is scrolling through social yes. media and all the sentence in my feed and That's I'm right. watching something that I didn't even want to watch. Um, you share some facts, I believe this is in your book, and a few of them are pretty eye-opening, but not surprising upon reflection. 
Um, I thought these were really interesting. 47% of a thousand sampled Americans feel addicted to their phones. And I would say, I would guess at least 25% of the other 53% are lying. You say adults' um, attention spans are shorter than goldfishes. I've heard that before. And 99% of daily decisions happen without reflection. What are the implications of living a distracted life and um, being addicted to our phones, uh, not having long attention spans, and not having time or not using time to reflect? Friend, if you're enjoying this episode, you may also enjoy exclusive bonus content each month. Finding Something Real is a podcast that has some costs associated with it. We have a website, monthly subscriptions to stay organized. We design things. We like to pay an assistant producer who keeps things going around here, that kind of stuff. We're not in the business of trying to make money, but we are in the business of wanting to keep this show going and be sustainable. So we use Patreon. And if you haven't heard of it, Patreon is the best place for creators to build memberships by providing exclusive access to their work and a deeper connection with their communities. Each month, patrons who support Finding Something Real get a bonus episode where we recap the month's episodes. Often those episodes feature our co-hosts and they will often share what this journey was like. There's other perks over there too, and it's easy to get involved. Just go to findingsomethingreal.com and click support at the top of the page. We'd love to have you over there in our Patreon community. In, in one short sentence, the real risk of distracted eyes is a distracted heart, right? Because that stuff does get past the stir- surface and has us thinking about other things. It does lead us away that time loss is a real, a real, there's a real cost to that. And um, if I'm not able to focus for eight seconds, how, how do I even take in God's word? How do I even, you know, if my brain is being shaped in such short attention spans, how do I even meditate and focus on God's word? Because it's really, really hard, right? Like our mind is something that's supposed to be set on him. But if I can't set it on anything, then how am I going to do that? So I really, in the book, use that as a common issue, but what I really want to get to is beyond that. Like what happens when we have a misguided heart or a distracted heart? And sometimes I think we're just not really made to carry the weight of all of the things, even the good things on social media. Do I have the empathy to carry the burdens of all of this? And and when I do, am I still equipped to serve the people right in front of me? Because sometimes it's just exhausting. Even if it is good things, it's a lot to carry. Just just the weight of all the knowing is really, really hard. So what does that look like today? I think it really does impact our ability to live that out with the people in front of us. Yeah. Do you think that a lot of the distractions is inspired by comparison like oh this person is doing this and therefore Mm -hmm. I have to keep up I know Mm -hmm. I feel that sometimes just as somebody doing ministry you know like I got to do all of these different things Mm -hmm. we have an exchange daughter living with us right now is 16 she's constantly sending selfies to her friends on snapchat I don't Mm -hmm. think it's a secret I mean she does it all the time so Fina I'm sorry if you're listening um (laughs) but uh when I ask her why well she's got to keep up she's got to keep up with her friends Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so what do you make of that is there an element of uh this person's doing this so I've got to keep up with this as well yeah. Yeah. It's part of the weight 
of the knowing, right? Um, I've talked to my own kids about that. Some of the things, even if there's things, social media things that they're not a part of, but they're somewhere and then someone takes the picture. And I said, you know, back in my day, you could go to someone else's house and enjoy them without everyone else knowing you're there. That knowing is so hard. Like we don't need to know all the things we miss out on, right? It's probably healthy not to know. I don't need to know where all my friends got invited or maybe where I didn't get invited to. That's a normal part of life and reality, but now it's just in your face, right? And so then the same thing happens with growth in ministry or uh, growth as a writer. Now now I know that she's in, oh man, she's in this magazine. She's on this podcast. If we're going to play the key, that temptation to keep up is near us like never before, because before I didn't know, I wasn't able to see all the conferences I wasn't invited to, but now it's all right in front of me. So the temptation is definitely greater there. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that contributes to mental health problems too, right? It's like, wait a second, they're getting together without me. Why wasn't I invited? And these pictures that are where we're, you know, humbly bragging about this is this cool thing that I get to do today. Someone else is sitting on the other side going, I didn't get to do that. Right. And it's right. That's right. It's very, it's a spiral. Um, This is a big question, Katie. um, And uh, hopefully it's all right that I'm asking it. But what do you say to someone who maybe isn't sure about following Jesus? And she says, yeah, uh, I know I'm often distracted and my phone is an addiction. Sure, I'll, you know, all of the statistics. Yeah, I get that. Mm-hmm. And maybe I even feel like crap when I've been on the phone scrolling too long. But why should I care? Why should I care about replacing that time with time spent exploring a faith I'm not sure about? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a good question. I, the question I'd ask back is do little things have big consequences. And that that's why I love this topic, because I don't think you necessarily have to be a believer in Jesus to know that distraction is an issue, mm. that that all of this stuff can be a huge time suck, right? Like I can spend a lot of time, you can look at your phone hours and think, I really did just spend six hours of my life this week on the phone, right? Or on this app, I can really see that. I can answer that question. Yes, I'm a part of the 70% of Americans that say they're addicted to my phone. So regardless of your faith, can you say, is this really how I want to spend my life? I really only have so much time and and that end mark may be tomorrow, but is this what I want to live my life for? Mm-hmm. And so that just that question alone can give you exploration. What, what am I going to do about it? One interesting case study we talk about in the book is it happened at the university of Kentucky and there's all kinds of interesting like facts and science and business studies that have been done on this that really support doing something different, which makes it kind of interesting, right? So at the University of Kentucky, they were talking about these um, social media fasts that are kind of popular. You know, what happens if I just check out, I'm taking a social media fast for a month. But what they found is that often people just pivoted their time to other unproductive things. Okay. So like, I'm going to fast from Instagram and now I'm going to watch YouTube for six hours a day, right? Like, Mm -hmm. unless they, they chose to focus on something better, not just quit something, but I am going to focus on something better Then it was just spiraled in a different direction. Kind Mm -hmm. of like when you're going to do a sugar fast and then you're going to eat chips the whole time, right? Like, okay, well, no candy, (laughs) but I'm going to eat potato chips, right? Like we will just point it in another bad direction unless we have something good, something worth giving our life to. And that's where our faith comes in. Like, what do I want to set my heart on? What do I want eternity to look like? So unless we do that, we're just going to spin in other directions. Yeah, that's so good. And so true because we're all a slave to something. We're all giving our life to something. Yes. And I love the question of, <laughs> you know, do these actions matter? And is this really how you want your life to go and the mm-hmm. master that you want to serve? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I know for me, you know, I've struggled with social media, you know, scrolling late at night or wasting time and I'll look and I'll think, man, this is so hard not to get caught up in that. So Katie, how do we fight back? What do we, what are some practical things that we can do to fight the, you know, the scroll and also how do we replace that time intentionally? Yeah. So, so the key I found is really just in remembering what I want to live my life for, remembering how I want to spend my days here. So it's not any act of perfection, but it is that biblical remembrance. So biblical remembrance looks not just like remembering on the surface. It's not just knowledge. It's recall that empowers us toward an action. So it's an action word, right? I want to remember, I want to set this on my mind so that it changes how I behave. So it's not just, just, yes, I'm going to get rid of Instagram. It's like, no, how do I want to live my days here? What, what is meaningful expressions in my life that I could use this time for? And, and we can be very realistic about that. I need a break right now. I'm really tired and I just want to entertain myself. If this is a healthy way to entertain myself and I'm following some great people and I want to do that for 15 minutes, then maybe I'll just do that. Maybe I'll put my eye on the clock and think for 15 minutes, I'm going to take in this great whatever. And it's not a bad thing to do. So it's not always throw the baby out with the bathwater because there are really some healthy things like we're communicating right now because of technology. And Mm -hmm. that is a gift, right? But it's putting some parameters around that and then understanding the greater concept of how I want to live and how can I remember that in my day? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And then what are some spiritual disciplines that you can put in there that, that you think yeah, that would help fill that gap. Like this is how I want to spend my time. Mm -hmm. So one is just talking that out. So, so I do this when I'm on social media or whatever, when I grab my phone, let's just start there. When I grab my phone, what am I doing right now? Sometimes I just say it out loud. I am looking up this recipe because I'm being accountable <laughs> to myself and I'm being accountable to my kids because that's usually how it starts out. I, how often do you not get like, I'm just going to sit down and look at the paint color on someone else's house right now. Like we don't start out with that intention, right? <laughs> but then all of a sudden, I then I checked my email and then I saw, thought of this and then I wanted to go back and see this really quick and I'm down a rabbit trail I never intended to go down. So saying it out loud helps me remember why I picked up that phone and then it helps me be accountable to those around me. So I just, just say it. And then I just fill my time with other good things. Sometimes is that a factor? Do I have too much time? Am I being kind of lazy in what I do? So if that's the case, there's nothing wrong with putting shutdown times on certain apps. Like I want to be aware. I want to be conscious of this. It's not going to be the master of me. I'm not going to become obsessed with it, but maybe I do want time so I can see, I want this app to turn off after 30 minutes. So then I'm aware, oh, wow, I really did spend 30 minutes. Let's, you know, how, how does that equate to what I'm spending my time on in the rest of my day? If I'm filling it up with good things, is there less time to spend on those other things? So have I spent time in the word? Could I be memorizing scripture right now? Is there other good things I could be doing? Am I, you know, by asking that question, answering it, I can, I can deduce pretty quickly. Am I just running away from the work in front of me? Is it because I really don't want to have that conversation I need to have or clean those toilets I should be cleaning? Mm -hmm. So really just getting honest with yourself and then asking the Holy Spirit to help you in that because that's his job, right? John 14, he teaches us all things and helps us remember all the things that Jesus has taught us, right? So can I trust him to do that? Can I trust him to help me with that question, to put it in my mind, to convict me? And then am I going to be obedient after hearing that conviction? Yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay, I want you to get personal for a second. You've got four kids, and uh, you're a writer, you're a speaker, you're on podcasts and doing all the things. What does this look like practically for you 
um, as a discipline, as like the person who's now speaking about this, because here's what I've heard from people who go out and they start speaking about topics. The enemy loves to come in and uh, mm -hmm. get there, right? Mm -hmm. So now you're talking about this. Have you found that the temptation to be more distracted has come in and how do you fight that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then having those teenagers, there's a level of accountability <laughs> right there, right? Yeah. Like when they're, when oh, they're young you and they're it. little, that's right. Like, okay, mom, you're on it now too. So it, it's really just taking up that new man and learning to walk by the spirit, but none of it is perfect. None of it is. And so it, it is interesting in this season when there are expectations, when you release a book, I, I contracted with a publisher, right? And I said that I was going to be committed to this. So there's a part of that, that, um, that I, I participate in, obviously, because I'm here. For me, I, I make it very seasonal. So I did this with the last book too. I committed to the time I was going to be on. And then when it was over, I took the apps off my phone. Like that's easier for me just not to have it. And I was just away at a retreat this last weekend speaking to some women from a church and we were up in the hills and there was no internet at all, no connection with your family, which is kind of weird not to, not to be able to communicate at all. But I noticed just how that time away kind of reshaped my desires. You know, you just get in the habit, but as much as desires can be shaped that way, they can go the other way too, right? We can get this habit of this is what I do in the evening before I go to sleep. I get on my phone and just kind of scroll until I get tired. So they can go either way. Keeping those in check is difficult, but I try to with my own time is to work seasonally. So I'm in a season right now where I'm embracing those things. And then I want to be committed just as much by using friends as accountability partners, even my kids, then this is when I'm going to turn it off and just step away from it for a while. Cause that's, what's healthy to me. And I, I think that's really, again, Holy spirit conviction sometimes we look for those black and white rules like, okay, so, so is three hours too much or three and a half hours better, right? Like it, it's not like that. I think he's saying, is this a heart that's pursuing relationship with me? Is Katie trying her best to follow me with her life? And however that looks, whatever jobs we have and whatever demands that and causes us to engage with social media, then it is what it is. But he knows if he, we have a heart that's seeking him or not. Yeah. How have your kids, especially your older kids, responded to this message? Um, are they on social media? First of all, they are not, they're not. Okay. Um, and part of that is just their own interest. So they're homeschooled yeah. and we kind of live in an area where their, their friends aren't using it much. So that is the easiest thing. I think I've had it easier than most people have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for maybe a young person who's listening, who's like, yeah, uh, I'm addicted to my phone, but every time I've tried to give it up, mm -hmm. I just feel anxious. Like I can't, or and maybe not even give it up, but just step away from it a little bit, you know, and I, mm -hmm. I try to not allow it to be an idol in my life, but it, it totally is. Mm -hmm. um, how do you fight the anxiety of that? There's a fear of missing out. There's a fear yes. of, you know, all these different things. Uh, if I don't post all the time, people are going to miss me or they're going to forget me. Mm -hmm. All that. There's a lot of anxiety around that, uh, Katie. Mm -hmm. So could you speak mm -hmm. to that? Yeah. I would say first, don't walk this out alone, right? Get some friends involved to help you through that. Get If you have parents or older women mentors in your life that are going to help you walk that out. So start not walking out alone. Number two, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. This is what, I mean, he, fruit of the spirit is self-control, right? So can I just not do this in my own strength? Can I trust you, Lord, to help convict me, to help make me feel filled, right? When I feel so empty or so alone because I'm not on that. And then also know that habits change things, right? It takes a while to, to form a habit. I have all of my kids turn their phones off and put them in a cabinet at night. And that simple act 
sometimes they forget to get them in the morning. That's why I do it, right? Like it could be 11 o'clock and like, oh, I forgot to turn my phone on because it's not right in front of us. So could I get this out of my sight just a little bit at a time? Like, could I do the smallest next step to just gain a little control over this thing? Whatever that is. What if while I was, I stopped taking my phone to church. I thought, you know, I'm here with my family. The people I need to talk to are here. And anyone who does need to get a hold of me, then, then it can wait till after church. So that for me, that was just one simple step. I could leave it at home. It felt weird the first time. It felt weird when several other people got a text after church about something going on. I was like, I, I guess I don't know about it. And then I had to answer. And I guess that's okay, right? It probably yeah. could wait till I get home at one o'clock. So just what tiny steps can I take to form new habits? So it doesn't all have to happen overnight. You don't have to go and get a flip phone or a bag phone or a wall phone. You know, I could just make one small step toward improvement and then maybe add another one after that. Yeah, I love that. Have you read Atomic Habits by James yes. Clear? Yeah, yes, I love I that have. book. Yeah. I love that book. book. And uh, Sina, who I mentioned before, she'll be on the podcast later this uh, year. She's reading it right now because mm -hmm. I, I love like, you know, those kind of things where it's like, wait a second, um, who I think one of the concepts he has in there is every choice you make today is a vote for the person you'll be tomorrow. Mm -hmm. and I think that's really wise. So just looking and going, okay, is this truly how I want to live my life, you know, mm -hmm. constantly addicted to this. And then one, one choice can make a yep. huge difference. Something mm -hmm. small, like leaving your, your phone home from church or mm -hmm. from wherever you're mm -hmm. going or not yeah. bringing it out at school or, you know, the college or whatever, wherever you go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Katie, uh, tell us one more time, where can people find your book? It's called, uh, and then she remembered it's on Amazon, I'm assuming. Is that where people should find it? And Yeah, uh, Amazon, Christian Book, any of yeah, those places. Yeah. yeah. And whether you're a Christian or not, uh, I think that it sounds like there's a lot of wisdom there. And um, yeah, just echo what you're saying. I think that if we can just, and really it's about surrender, right? Like I'm going to surrender this to you because right. I think you're better. I think mm -hmm. you're better, right? Yes. Katie, I love this conversation and I'd love to wrap it up here. Um, gosh, this reminds me of John Mark Comer's book, uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Have you mm -hmm. read that one? Okay, yes, you've, you've read all the good books. Okay, <laughs> she's read all the great books and her book is great. Um, but uh, Jesus lived an unhurried life mm -hmm. and he lived an undistracted life. So mm -hmm. what can we learn, even if uh, someone's listening right now who's not sure about Jesus, what can we learn from Jesus about this idea of living um, a focused, intentional life? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the greatest point to turn, right? Like, what can I see in Jesus's life that helps me unpack this? And, and one interesting thing we see is that he was interrupted constantly. I, I love that. And I resonate that with that so much as a mom, right? Because he was talking to people and then he's getting ready to cross the water and they're running and beating him to the other side of the shore, right? The people are just showing up everywhere. Think of the woman that had the issue with blood, right? And she reaches out, interrupting what he's doing. And he always addressed the people that were right in front of him. The interesting thing is we often get really frustrated by our interruptions, but we gladly engage our distractions. Like I could be distracted with this, but when someone comes and interrupts what I think is important, now I'm frustrated because I, I was doing this thing. But Jesus rather addresses the need in front of him. He doesn't get frustrated by the interruptions and then never gets distracted. He goes right back on his way, the way he's going. So to look at his life and how he dealt with the people in front of him is a really good lesson for us as well. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that distinction between interruptions and distractions too, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. you're right. <laughs> life is full of interruptions and yes. they're so annoying. <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, Jesus loved those interruptions very well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Katie, this has been great. The finding, this is the final question I always ask every guest. The Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. Real is an acronym for those things. Restoration, mm-hmm. eternity, authenticity, and love. As mm-hmm. a Christian, um, I believe, and I'm sure you do as well, that those things in their truest form are found in relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Which of those things, restoration, eternity, authenticity, or love, stands out to you the most in your life right now and why? I'll have to instantly say love. Just the greatest of these is love. It's so easy in any of these things to feel condemned, right? To feel frustrated that we did waste so much time again. Or maybe we make a commitment one day to think, I'm really going to work at this. And then we just mess it up the next day. But to know that Jesus meets us in love every time, right? They're willing to forgive, willing to take our hand and walk us through this again is the biggest hope and grace for any of us trying to improve this, right? So it would just be to, my encouragement is just to, try and keep trying and and God honors that and he walks with you in it and through it. Mm. Amen. Well, Katie Westenberg, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It's been a real pleasure and honor to have you on. And now that I know you live nearby, uh, we'll have to get together and have coffee. (laughs) I would love that, Janelle. Yeah. (laughs) Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This season, we are inviting young women to join me as they share their personal stories and ask honest questions or share objections to the Christian faith. We hope to feature a different story each month and then invite Christian guests on to share from their own journeys and experiences and maybe answer some of those questions in follow-up episodes. Friend, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is still in the restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love business. I know not everyone has experienced that. But if you're curious at all at whether there's something real to be found in Jesus, I invite you to come back next week as we continue on a journey towards finding something real in relationship with him. Until next time.